0: what is up 418 students welcome to another episode of 418 students podcast this is a weekly sermon where we dive back into the sermon from the night before and so i pray that you listen to this sit back enjoy yourself and listen to what god has for you today Great commercial for the adults in here. It's like nostalgia of going back to the 90s, and uh, yes, it's cringy. Yeah. This was pre space jam, it did a little bit. Who? aging, aging, <laughs> it's not LeBron. Um, so that was Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time in commercial, and as Ross is telling me, just one of. But arguably one of the greatest um, debate debate can ensue. But with that is in the 90s, there was such just a infascination, just obsession with Michael Jordan. Everybody wanted to be like him. He played basketball. You watched how he played. And you wanted to dunk. You wanted to do all the things he did. Come up with a movie, early 2000s, like Mike, where little Bow Wow gets tennis shoes. They had the good juju. Michael Jordan. He was able as a kid to do all the dunks and everything Michael Jordan did in the NBA. Everyone wanted to be like Mike and the reality is tonight is that for all of us there is someone in our lives that we want to be just like. I sit there and watch the evolution of basketball for an example and watching younger kids play basketball you can tell the influence that Stephen Curry has had on the game because everyone don't care about the paint even the big boys are going to shoot threes, knowing they're never going to play that position. Everybody has somebody they want to be like, someone they imitate, someone they resemble, someone they pursue. And tonight, we're looking, as we continue this study in the book of Acts, is we're starting off with this question, I want to be like blank. And tonight, we'll continue in Acts chapter 6, looking at a guy named Stephen, which this is not the first time that we have seen Stephen. What? is that. First time that we have not seen Stephen. Stephen we saw a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the book of Acts as we were in Acts chapter 6 we saw that in the Hellenists that there arose a complaint that these Greek speaking Jews the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of goods. And so they took the the issue to the apostles the apostles saw the problem and said okay Choose from yourselves seven men of good repute, seven men of good reputation. Pick from among yourselves who these men will be, and they will be our deacons. They're, they're going to be servants of them. And Stephen was one of those guys who was picked to serve the body. Stephen, as we look at tonight, is a man who, if he was to ask this question, who does he want to be like? The answer would be to be just like Christ. It wasn't to be like Peter. It wasn't to be like one of the Pharisees or Sadducees. His desire was to live a life that exemplified Christ. So if you have your Bibles, you open up with me to Acts chapter 6. I'm going to start reading here in verse 8. It says this. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Corinthians and the Alexandrians... And those of Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly investigated, instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up, sat up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases. To speak words against this holy place in the law. We had heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth would destroy this place and would change the customs of Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for the time that you give us, Lord, to, to gather around your word. God, to open your word. And so, Lord, I pray as we come to this time of study, God, as we come to this time of looking at Stephen's life, God, I pray that we, too, will be able to be like Stephen and to say, God, we want to be like you. God, we want to live a life that glorifies you, God, a life that pursues you. God, a life that's not concerned about what others think or say, but only what you think and say. God, I pray that you'll speak to us tonight. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So guys, we're looking at this text, looking at the life of Stephen, the 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 last chunk or last little bit of his life. A lot of text, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run through this fairly well and paint the big picture of who do you want to be like. But the first thing we see, the first scene that I just got done reading there was they ha- they brought up false charges against him. This first section that they bring these false charges, they come up to Stephen, a man who rose up, and the text says in verse one, it says, "Full of grace." And power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He was becoming someone that people looked at. He had great grace, and where does grace come? It only comes through God. He had great power. He was doing the things that the people had called him to do in serving in the body, and he was starting to do mighty things for the name of Christ. And then all of a sudden, these freedmen of the synagogue, and these would have been the the Greek-speaking Jews who already was an outcast, who already was frustrated. Like The city of Jerusalem, they did not like Greek-speaking Jews. They didn't like the Hellenists. That's why they felt, when we looked last time, that's why they kind of felt like they'd been shunned and kind of left out. It's because people really didn't like them. They, they didn't see them as really Jews. They, they, they weren't from Jerusalem. They didn't speak the language. They weren't of the people. And so we come here, and they already know that they have a target on their back, and they see this guy that's already talking and already speaking these things about Christ. And they're going, we got to get rid of this guy. Like, all he's going to do is cause people to not to like us more. All he's going to do is cause people to come after us already. And he sits there and comes through. And they come up and they start to speak against him. All these people, it says, they rose up and disputed with Stephen. And then it says this, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which he was speaking They tried to bring up a charge, they tried to bring up an accusation, they tried to bring these things against him and come after him, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, spoke with such wisdom, they couldn't say anything against him. Everything he said, they they just, they could not withstand the wisdom, they could not bring a charge against him. They got frustrated, this is the same thing we kind of saw with Jesus, they got frustrated because they knew they really couldn't do anything. They knew that everything he said was correct. So what they did instead was they found some people to bring up some lies, to stir up some pots, to stir up this stuff and say, you know, this, this is, we, we've heard him say these things. We've heard him say that Moses did, said this, but he's teaching against them. He's teaching against Moses. He even southern followed Jesus, and he says this, this Nazarene, this guy was, was going to destroy all of this stuff and erase everything that we've been taught, everything we've known, he was going to destroy it all. And they find these people in the crowds to sit there and go, yeah, we heard him. We heard him say that. We heard We know what he said. We heard him do that last week. We heard him last night. They found these people to bring these little trumped-up charges against him. To eventually it says that there became a crowd, the people got stirred up, and they brought him before the people. But then verse 15, it sits there and says, And gazing at his face, the council saw that his face shone like an angel. They brought these charges against him. They brought these attacks against him. Yet when they were bringing these charges he was before the same council Jesus had to stand before, his face shone like an angel. And this interesting here, a little side note, is that who, were the, who was the person they were saying he was teaching against? Moses. If we sit there and we jump to Acts, Exodus chapter 34, the citizen said this, When Moses came down from the mountain of Sinai with two tablets of the Testimony, The Ten Commandments in his hands as he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had not, because he had been talking with God. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone. And I think it's so interesting that they're bringing these charges that he speaks against Moses. And just as Moses' face shone because he'd been with God, Stephen's face had shone because he'd been with God. He was speaking in the fullness of the Spirit. So they bring these trumped-up charges against him, these false claims. And the question is this, can people look at you and see that you're different than them? Believers look different. That doesn't mean everyone walks around with a little holy glow walking around everywhere they go. But they can see a piece around your face that oftentimes you don't see in society today. Do People see those differences. They brought these false charges against Stephen, and the second thing we see is Stephen starts his defense. Stephen starts to speak out against him. Stephen starts to tell him, this is what is going on. This is actually the reality of the matter here. Stephen stands before the same people that Jesus stood before. And he gives a beautiful defense of who Christ is. And the reality is he gives them a history lesson. The first little bit of history we see is, I see he gives them a history lesson on who Abraham really is. we we'll go to chapter 7, verses 1. And following, he sits there and says, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father's Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land, and your, from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then we went out from the land of the Chaldeans and laid in Haran, and his father died. God moved him from there into the land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length but promised to give it to him as a possession to his offspring after him. Though he had no child, and God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others. He would enslave them and afflict them with 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God. And after that, they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him a covenant of circumcision. And Abraham became the father of Isaac, and, the circumcision, and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. So he lays out the first history of Abraham. He's like, oh, you know, we're, we're children of Abraham. We're children of Abraham's descendants. This land that we're sitting in, and we're having this debate in today, yeah, you know who gave it to him? This was the covenant of promise that he gave Abraham. That though he didn't get to live here, he didn't get to own possession of this, that his descendants would come. And he made this promise that his descendants would own this land before he even had a child. And late in his years, he gave and had a son, Isaac. Isaac become the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of the patriarchs. We want to talk about history. Y'all want to tell me that I don't know anything about Moses, that I'm changing his teachings. Let's have a little talk about history today. So he starts all the way at the beginning, goes to Abraham. And he says, you know what? We're not even going to talk about Abraham. Let's keep going. He says, not only Abraham, but let's talk about Joseph. We want to talk about history. I don't know, I don't know the history of our people. Let's talk about Joseph. Joseph had dreams. Joseph had dreams that he was going to be standing up high, And his brothers would bow down to him. He tells his brothers. What does his brothers do? They get jealous. They get jealous and mad, and they go and sell him off into slavery. Where do they end up in slavery? Egypt. He gets to Egypt. What happens? He rises up in the house of Potiphar to the point where he is a big man in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife says, ooh, he's kind of cute. Potiphar's wife tries to do stuff with him. He flees. Potiphar's wife flies on him. And what happens to him? Going to jail he gets in jail. Finally, in jail, he starts to interpret dreams of two of the people that are in there with him. Eventually, Pharaoh starts to have dreams of this famine that is to come, and he has no way to interpret it. And one of them says, like, there was a guy that I knew one time in my life that can interpret dreams. What was his name? Oh, Joseph. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's down in the cave in jail. I think he can come help you. So they grab him, Joseph comes up, and is like, let me tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of harvest, and seven years of famine. We need to plan for this. Pharaoh goes, man, you're wise. You're, You're wisdom. He makes him second in charge. They plan. All these things happen. Famine hits. Who shows up on the doorstep? Joseph's family. There's the whole scene of him conversing with his brothers. goes and tricks them a little bit and tries to manipulate the scene a little bit to make them feel guilty, and then eventually he reveals himself to them, and when he reveals himself to them, he says, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. You wanted to get rid of me, but let me tell you something. God had a plan for you. He says, Go bring my dad and bring the whole family. Come here. We're going to provide for you. Joseph was the man. Joseph saved all of Egypt, and Joseph saved all of his family. They come to Egypt and sits there and says, There was a there was a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. So he leads from Joseph talking about the people and says, All right, let's enter. Next scene. Let's go to Moses. He gets to Moses and he says, You want to talk about Moses? Where well, there's the Pharaoh that didn't remember him. The Israelites grew in such large number that it scared them. So they killed all the, the male children from this age to this age. Killed them all. Moses' parents hit him in a basket, went down the river. Where does he end up? Pharaoh's house. Long story short, he flees, goes to the wilderness. God starts to speak to him through the burning bush. You're going back to redeem my people. Sends him back to redeem his people frees his people through God's hand out of Egypt, goes into the land, sits there, and has the big mountaintop experience with God where God gives him the Ten Commandments, his face shines, comes down, and what do the people choose? They choose. They say, man, it's better for us to stay in Egypt. They start to build a golden calf because they start to worship other things rather than the They would lost focus on him. He said, so y'all want to talk about Moses? Moses was great. Moses did all these great things and led these people out. But Moses also sat there and said, the man led him out of performing wonders and signs in Egypt, and he said, this is, verse 37, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who in the congregation in the wilderness with the angels spoke to me at Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received living oracles to give to us. Moses spoke of the one who was to come. He spoke of Christ." And he doesn't finish his history lesson there. He says, we'll go further. He goes to meeting with the place of God, the meeting place of God. Moses, they had the tent. They get the tabernacle. Eventually, we go on down the patriarchs, and we, we end up having David. We go from David, and we have Solomon. And what do they do? They build a temple, the place of where they're supposed to worship God and follow after him. And we pick up here in verse 39. So that, <clears throat> we'll go back before. We're sitting here in verse 48. It says this, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all of these things? He, he tells them, You've gotten focused on the temple. You've gotten focused on the building, the place, and the way of worship, but you've missed who it is we're supposed to be worshiping. The temple and the tabernacle were foreshadowings of God dwelling with his people. That's all they were. Every time you saw the, the building of the tabernacle, the building of the temple, God's presence fell and it was him dwelling with his people in worship. The real temple came. And that's when he sits there and shifts into verse 50. One, he says, You stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those anointed before the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels did not keep it. He shifts here to what I call a Christ-like death. He gives them a history lesson and then he throws truth at them. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised of heart, Sounds pretty brutal. I mean, <laughs> how many of us want to be called uncircumcised with heart? Stiff necked. He, he he starts to, to tell them, Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You say you know the law, man, you don't know it. You say you, you keep the commandments, you haven't kept them. If you if you knew all of this stuff that took place, you would have known when the righteous one came, but just like your fathers, you've ignored him. You've ignored the God who we worship. They become infuriated. They come after him. that's what we see what happens here in verse 54. Sounds when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold these sins against When And had said these, he fell asleep. Such an interesting scene there. So interesting to, to see him proclaiming who God's word is and proclaiming that it was you who killed him. You, all of you in here, you, you killed him. You were the ones that judged him and found him guilty. Now what we've seen so far in the book of Acts is the first time that Peter comes before the council and tells them, you killed him. What do they do? They threaten him and told him to go away. Next time they threaten him and beat him. Next time they throw him in prison, threaten, beat. This time they've had enough. This time the council is like, We're so sick and tired of you blaming us for his death. We're so sick and tired of you doing this. And it says when when he when this happened, he got done saying this, he looked up into heaven and saw the Son of Man standing before the Father. And it's so interesting, it's so easy for us to miss that. Every time that we see Jesus, post-resurrection, heaven seen, what is he doing? He's sitting. He has finished the work. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Here in Acts chapter 7, that changes. Christ is not seated beside the Father. He's standing. And I think it's almost a way of paying respect and honor for Stephen's life and his sacrifice, knowing that Stephen is not willing to shy away from what God has called him to do. It was almost like he's sitting there at the end of a finish line saying, come on, son, you got it. You can do it. You can, you can do it. Finish it. Finish the race. Finish the race. You've got it. You can do it. He's standing before the Father. and He sits there and proclaims to him, I see the heavens opened, and I see the Son of Man standing before the Father. And it says his council became enraged and rushed at him, took him outside the city gates, and they started to stone him. And so often when we picture a stoning scene, we think of those little pebbles that we chunk out into rivers and the creeks and we try to skip. These were big stones. These weren't smooth stones. These were those rough, ugly, jagged stones. And they picked these stones up. And I don't know if you've ever tried to pick up an actual a heavier rock than those little pebbles and tried to throw them. But if you're throwing a couple of them, after a while, your arm starts to hurt. It's, it, it's, it's a workout. And it... Unless you're right here like I am in Molly Channon, and take that rock and hit her upside the head, it's going to take a lot of throws to kill her. And these men sat there with these rocks and they threw and they threw and they threw until he finally sits there knowing that his life is about to end. And just as Christ stood on the cross, he cries out to the Father, Father, forgive them, they know what they don't do. And he sits and says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. text says that they laid their garments because they knew they were about to get a workout. They took their jackets and laid it at a young man named Saul. Saul approving of this execution. You keep reading Acts chapter 1, Acts 1, 2 and 3, Acts 8 verses 1 through 3. He gave approval and he starts to ravage the church. He is on fire and he is zealous. He is ripping the church of Jerusalem apart to where the Christians start to become scattered. We see a Christ-like death even fearing death, even being stoned to the point of death, he is not wavering. In what it is that God has called him to do, he stands firm and proclaims the truths of who God is to them. And one day we too will stand before the Father. One day we have to ask ourselves how are we, how will we die? Will we die emulating the culture? Will we die representing and living the way the culture has us? Or will we die being like Christ? No, we may not die the exact same way Stephen died. We might not sit there before a council and have stones thrown at us to the point till we die. But one day we will die. Every one of us that is in here, we will die. The text says that he fell asleep, and that's just a nice poetic way of saying he died. But really what it is is that his death was like sleep. Because the moment his eyes closed and he breathed his last, he woke up in eternity and it was like a nap. There and there. Death is coming for all of us. How will we live this life? What do people say about us? So we come to a close here tonight. So we come to this time of reflection. There's some things that we need to think about. Number one. do, Do people try to lie about us and trump up false claims. You say you're a Christian, but you live this way. You say you do this, but you do that. Try to bring false accusations against us. Are they right? Do we label ourselves as a Christian yet live a life that's completely contrary to that which God has called us to? If that's you tonight, my prayer for you is that you return to God. You your run to him. Stop living a false life. Live a life that's on fire for him. The next thing we need to sit there and think about tonight is this, as we've come to this time of reflection. Maybe, maybe you're, you're here tonight and, and you don't know him. You know, you've been coming for a few weeks, maybe first time here. Whatever the case is, and you're seeing this scene of, of someone who's willing to die for their faith in Christ. A gruesome death. I mean, getting hit with a baseball or a golf ball hurts enough. I don't want to know what a stone feels like. But he's, he's beaten. He He's stoned to death. And maybe you're asking, is there more to life than this? Is there is there more to life than just hanging out with friends, dating, having a good time, enjoying life? If that's you tonight, God is worth so much more than this world has to offer. This word is going to leave you behind and you're going to leave in wanting. You're going to sit there and friends grow up and they're going to leave you. The people that you want to be like will change. You're going to realize I wasted my life trying to pursue someone that really doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you tonight, Christ matters. Christ loves you and desires a relationship with you. And then there's this third group tonight. <laughs> I feel where most of us are in is do you live a life that is on fire for God live a life that's bold a life that doesn't shrink back from what others say about you that's one of the coolest things I, I love this patch I know it's a chunk of scripture and I encourage you to go back and read it in its entirety but just thinking about the life of Stephen we don't know a lot about him we know he was a man full of grace and he was full of power and he knew God's word how well do you know it? Like if the world came at you and, and brought charges against you and, and said, you know, you said this, but you're really doing this or whatever, do you know enough of God's word to defend it? How well do you actually know his word? But, but I, I want to challenge you with this. Be bold like Stephen to where it doesn't matter if you lose friends. It doesn't matter if, if, if you lose people you think are important. Because the reality is, as you grow up and you graduate, you go off to college, the people that you think are important in your life today probably aren't going to be that important 10 years from now. But you know who's still going to be there 10 years from now? God. God is always there for you. He desires that relationship. with you. He desires for you to be bold for him. So I asked that question at the start of tonight. The question was, I want to be like blank as we come to this time of reflection, I want you to answer that question in your mind and in your heart. Who is it that you want to be like? Do you want to be like Christ? Do you really genuinely want to be like Christ? Or is there someone else in this world you're trying to be like? Someone else in this world trying to pursue? So Christ created all things. He loved you and he died on a cross for you. What has that other person ever done for you? Nothing. Nothing in comparison. He is worth it. As we come to this time of reflection, I'm going to pray for you. If you need to grab an adult, come grab one of us. We'd love to talk to you. Whether it's about salvation, whether it's about praying for you to have boldness, whether it's about praying, about taking your faith seriously, whatever it is, we would love to talk to you about whatever it is God's dealing with you. But I want to challenge you. Be like Christ. Don't be like the world. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for each student that is in here. God, for each adult that is in here tonight. I pray that God, as we look at the life of Stephen, God, someone who who you called out to serve your kingdom, your church, your body, your bride, God, he had a desire to be like you, so much so that in the Amen. Guys, I hope you have enjoyed playing back what we dove into last night as we looked. At, I want to be like who? And the question, the, the prayer, the hope is that all of us say we want to be like Christ. We want to be just like Stephen, living a life where we know God's word, where we know what it is God has called us to be. And we speak boldly, even the the fear of death as Stephen did. Proclaim the truths of who God is. So some follow-up questions to to ask yourself today is this one. Who do you want to be like? Who is it in your life that you want to be like? And think about that. Is this person a godly person? Is this person Christ himself? Or is this person someone that will take you away from God? My prayer is that if it is not Christ, that you are desired to live a life that glorifies him. The second question for us to think about today is not only who do we want to be like, but how, how well do we know the Bible? We see Stephen is brought up on some trumped up charges and they come to him and they address the issue with him. And Stephen defends the, defends himself by teaching them God's word as he looked at Joseph and Abraham and Moses and the patriarchs and looked at David and Solomon in the building of the temple. He pointed him back to the Bible. And so the question is, if people come at you and people were to attack you, how well do you know the Bible? Do you know it well enough to be able to defend it and teach your beliefs and opinions from it, from the word of God? And the last challenge that I want to leave you with tonight is this. Not only should we ask the question of who do we want to be like, not only should we ask the question of how well do we know God's word. But the third thing is, are we living a life where others see Christ in us? That see that we're different and living a life that looks different than what culture pushes down our throats. Not behavior modification, not trying to do a list of do's and don'ts because that's what we've been taught in church. But genuinely and truly living a life that is distinctly different because we have a relationship and are falling in love and pursuing the things of God. Guys, thank y'all for taking time to listen to this today. I I pray that you're reflecting on those three questions this week. And I pray that you will spend time with God, spend time in his word, and may others see Christ through you. I hope that y'all have a great, great day. And God bless.